This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by Gates Wildlife Control and the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. It's the week of March 9th, 2015, and this is Kate Rizzuto welcoming you to episode 218 of Defender Radio. Your regular host, Michael Howie, is out of commission with a throat issue this week, but I'm happy to present to you this week's episode. Working to protect animals isn't always a clear-cut job, and sometimes it's things you'd least expect that require a bit of extra attention. This week, we're hearing from two individuals who are working on issues that aren't as visible as many others. First, we'll hear from Lucas Soloway, an advocate who works with the fur bearers, who's helping out coyotes by organizing a demonstration at a conference where a Canada Goose executive is speaking this week. Then we'll turn it over to Gwen Barley of the Wilderness Committee in British Columbia, who is working to put a true endangered species policy in place in the province that prides itself on ecotourism. Let's get started with Lucas. We all know that for every fur-trimmed Canada goose parka sold, a coyote had to suffer. Be it in the crosshairs of a rifle or in the grips of a devastating trap, death and pain were in their final moments. The head of marketing for Canada Goose, Kevin Spreekmeister, is scheduled to speak at an advertising conference this week on the subject of, ironically, ethics in advertising. Lucas joined Defender Radio to talk coyotes, Canada Goose, and how you can get involved. Why is it important to campaign directly with petitions and on-site demos to a company like Canada Goose when they probably aren't too big on our opinions to begin with? Well, each person, uh, when each person signs a petition, it demonstrates to companies and governments that uh, people care about an issue and they want change. So while, example, Canada Goose may not care what fur bearer defenders or other animal advocacy groups think, they do care about how the public perceives them and their product. Um, as well, demonstrations are effective in several ways. One, it puts pressure on the company. Two, it generates visibility to the issue via media, social media, and to the passerby. And finally, it generates discussion, debate, and questioning of the status quo. So there's several ways um, where, you know, while a company like Candid Goose may not care about what an organization may think, they do care what potential buyers might think. And if uh, organizers can get together by signing petitions and demonstrating uh, that can reach their potential customers. Excellent. And uh, what's the value in having a silent vigil or a peaceful protest uh, when it comes to something like this? Sure. Well, there's uh, many benefits and values to this. Uh, first of all, you know, it shows that people are opposed to what the company is doing and that they're coming together to demonstrate in a peaceful manner, which also demonstrates that uh, organizers are not as radical as these corporations or governments make them out to be and that they're just trying to make a difference. Uh, and one example, um, recently, uh, Ringling Brothers Circus has come out saying that they are phasing out their elephants. And this, they actually uh, admitted to, was due to uh, the public outcry and all the protests over the years. So, you know, effective advocacy and effectively demonstrating does eventually make a difference, um, but it is important to do it in a peaceful, professional 
well-communicated way that effectively reaches the public and the media. Um, and uh, yeah, it just gets the message out in an effective way um, to speak up for the cause. And I imagine it also fosters the opportunity for civil discussion with people who are even just passing by. Exactly. You know, those passing by a demonstration, if the demonstration is aggressive, people are going to be timid and stay away. Whereas if uh, those passing by can relate to the message and uh, relate to the people holding the posters and the message, they're more likely to uh, interact with them and take literature and ask them questions. All right. And there's a lot of people who are always interested in these kinds of events uh, and doing advocacy work. What can people be doing in their spare time? Um, because a lot of these things do happen during the day or in an area they may not be able to get to easily. There's so many ways, whether it's simply clicking on a petition or uh, an action alert on uh, the Fur Bearers website, uh, furbearerdefenders.com, people can, you know, check out action alerts, sign petitions, get involved, uh, learn about upcoming events. There's so many ways. Um, and people can also, one way to help is just by simply boycotting the products that you're opposed to. You can share a message, a video, a campaign, a petition on your social media. You can tell a friend. Uh, and one great thing about, uh, the recent Make for History campaign is it's so user-friendly and interactive and it doesn't take much time to make a difference. So, you know, when people check out makeforhistory.com or check it out on social media, there's so many user-friendly ways. Um, and just recently, there was a blog, um, Three Easy Ways That You Can Help Coyotes, um, and that is about the upcoming uh, campaign calling on uh, the removal of uh, Canada Goose executive from uh, the DX3 conference. Uh, so that gives an example on how someone can easily sign a petition, how they can share a message on social media like Twitter, and uh, if they do have a bit of time dropped by the protest. To learn more about this upcoming demonstration or other actions, visit FurbearerDefenders.com. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. You're listening to Defender Radio. I am Brad Gates, owner of Gates Wildlife Control. Do you have raccoons or squirrels living in your attic? Did you know that the hole in your roof is letting water in? Your insulation is being ruined and they could be chewing on your electrical wiring? Protect your biggest investment. We will come to your house and provide you with a no-obligation free estimate. Please visit our website at gateswildlifecontrol.com or dial 416-750-9453. Have you ever heard a coyote sing? Did you know that coyotes are also called North America song dogs? They communicate through unique howls, yips, and barks. At Coyote Watch Canada, we're committed to fostering peaceful coexistence for communities and their wildlife neighbors by building compassionate wildlife communities, one community at a time. Please visit us at coyotewatchcanada.com for more information and tips about this amazing Keystone species. 
Beaver dams help clean water, promote songbird diversity, encourage fish populations, and create better soil and a cleaner environment. Beavers are good for Canada, but will we be good to them? Find out more at furbearerdefenders.com and give a damn about beavers. This is Defender Radio. Ecotourism is big business in BC, but did you know there isn't any endangered species policies at the provincial level? That nearly 1,900 species who are at risk aren't receiving any protection. That the badger, a fur-bearing animal we love, could hit extinction if something isn't done. The Wilderness Committee in BC is working to get true endangered species policies in place provincially, and Gwen Barley joined Defender Radio to discuss this difficult task. Can you tell me a bit about Wilderness Committee, uh, who you are, where you come from, uh, that kind of thing? Sure. We're a Canadian-based environmental organization that was founded in 1980, and our main sort of mission and mandate is per- to protect uh, wilderness and wildlife. And, and that sounds kind of broad, but we have uh, we have probably 30 uh, active campaigns right now. And, and one of the campaigns that um, is, is actually that I work on and that is really near and dear to my heart is uh, the need for endangered species legislation in British Columbia. And most people are really surprised to find out that BC uh, has no endangered species legislation. Yeah, and that that was shocking to me yeah. as well. Um, and uh, I'll play devil's advocate. Uh, isn't there already federal endangered species legislation? You're right. There, there is federal endangered species legislation, but it applies to approximately 10% of the species that are at risk in British Columbia. And the Wilderness Committee also works, and that's another one of my campaigns, is to make sure that the federal legislation is actually properly enacted. But even if it were... Even if it were properly uh, enacted, it would still be uh, not applying to about 90% of the species that are at risk in British Columbia. And it's quite shocking, but there's about 1,900 species at risk um, right across uh, British Columbia. And that ranges from killer whales uh, to Vancouver Island marmots and also plant species like the phantom market. And and so we have such a wealth of biodiversity in this province and and, and people find it a real head-scratcher why a province with this much... um, wilderness and, and, and wildlife wouldn't have a lawn uh, in place to protect it. Absolutely. Um, and when British Columbia, I mean, you look at the books, uh, ecotourism is a huge industry there. I think the number's around 14 billion in BC alone. Um, yeah, it's a huge driver of the economy and, 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 and it's part of the, the brand uh, of British Columbia. You saw that very much in the 2010 Winter Olympics when the government was uh, of BC was branding the province to the to the rest of the world. And it really was supernatural British Columbia. And there's a lot of uh, shots and videos of, of wide open wild spaces and, and of, of, of the amazing wildlife that we have in this province. And, and unfortunately, we don't have corresponding uh, legislation to protect that wilderness or uh, that wildlife. Absolutely. And I see on your website uh, that you have polls showing that well over 85% of British Columbians want strong legislation that will protect wildlife. And I think that's very likely standard from coast to coast. Uh, so it, it, it very much is. And the pollsters actually said to us, they said, you know, you don't, you don't even need to poll on this anymore that the, that the support is so strong and and so we haven't pulled on it probably for for about four or five 
five years. And, and we just unfortunately have a government that is unwilling to step on the toes of uh, industry. And whether it comes to, you know, because when you're protecting species at risk, the most important thing that you do is protect the habitat, their critical habitat. And that's the habitat that they need to survive and thrive. And, and when you're protecting that habitat, sometimes you're saying to logging companies, okay, you can't log in endangered species habitat. You can't log in the northern spotted owl habitat. We're only down to 12 spotted owls in all of Canada, and they live in old-growth forests, which are prized by the timber industry. Or that you'd be saying, you know, to the oil and gas sector, you know, you can't go through this area or, or the logging sector because it would impact, um, you know, mountain caribou. And, and so we have... Um, uh, a provincial government that's willing to gamble on, on, on species at risk in this province. And unfortunately they're losing that gamble. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's very surprising. I, I really don't know what to add to that. Um, but, uh, what can people be doing, uh, your average resident? Well, the, one, one of the things that, that I would recommend, first of all, knowledge is power. And so people understanding that BC doesn't have an endangered, any endangered species legislation and we have 1,900 species at risk. So that shows that something needs to be done. And then I'd recommend that they go to the Wilderness Committee website, which is wildernesscommittee.org. And you can take a variety of actions. And so one of the things that we're doing right now is we're collecting uh, names on a petition. We have probably close to 40,000 people who have signed this petition and it's online and also in hard copy as signatures and once it, we reach 50,000 people we're then going to submit that petition uh, to the BC government and so I'd, I'd, I'd encourage people to do that and if they want to take it a step further I'd encourage them to phone up their member of the Legislative Assembly and say this is something I'm a constituent of yours and this is something that's important to me that my BC includes um, grizzly bears, my BC includes wolves, my BC includes Vancouver Island marmots, and I want legislation to protect those things. I want my children and grandchildren to be able to marvel at a wild salmon, to be able to hear the hoot of a spotted owl. And if, and if we don't take action soon, we're going to start, we're going to lose spotted owls, and, and, and it might already be too late for spotted owls, and we're going to lose, uh, you know, uh, American badgers, and we're going to lose Vancouver Island marmots. That and many people are aware of the wolf call that's happening in British Columbia because of the dire straits that mountain caribou are in. And mountain caribou have uh, coexisted uh, you know, with wolves and, and lived in this ecosystem for millennia. But what's happened is that logging companies have targeted their habitat and fragmented it. And, when the, and, when, and also you had snowmobiles coming into their habitat. And this has brought in ungulates, it's brought in moose and it's brought in deer and that in turn brings in wolves and they can walk along, the wolves can walk along, you know, logging roads and into this fragmented habitat or they can follow skidoo trails and so now you have the mountain caribou that are in crisis and so the BC government by mismanagement of mountain caribou and mismanagement of their habitat has pushed the mountain caribou into the emergency room and now they're going to do something that's very likely a failed strategy and that is to call um, call wolves and they did the same uh, strategy with spotted owls that a hundred years ago BC had about a thousand spotted owls and they that's the only place they're found in Canada and they're they like low elevation old growth forests and those are the same forests that are ideal to logging companies and because of mismanagement of those forests and the government still to this day allows logging in spotted owl habitat we're down to, to just 12 spotted owls in the wild in all of Canada 
And so what the government, BC government has done, instead of having endangered species legislation that would protect that habitat, they are relocating and shooting barred owls, which can outcompete spotted owls. And that's a failed a wildlife management strategy. And we need to be able to do better than that. That British Columbians know we live in a special place and we want to see the things that make BC special protected and, and, and protecting our wilderness and wildlife is, is, is an important thing to the vast majority of British Columbians that live here. Absolutely. Um, and I think, as I said, that's true right across the country. Uh, now, one of the species that we don't hear a lot about, uh, though is covered in the mandate of the fur bears, is the badger, uh, which calls British Columbia home. Um, are their populations at risk due to all of this? Um... They are. They're, they're one of the 1900 at-risk species in, in British Columbia, and we're down to about uh, 19, well, actually down to about 300 um, badgers in the wild in British Columbia, and that's a very small number. And badgers uh, really like grasslands, and in the, historically they've been persecuted because there were some erroneous beliefs about badgers and, and badger holes call, uh, causing cattle to break their legs, and if you walked into a badger hole. And also, badgers um, are really vulnerable to roadkill. And so you often have, uh, they'll walk right along, um, and, and they're tough little critters, and sometimes they won't back off when they, when they see, see a car. So we're in a situation today where we have just 300 badgers in the wild in British Columbia. So they're a species that is um, desperately in need of the BC Endangered Species Law, but just one of many. Yeah, and, and to play devil's advocate again, uh, often to move the conversation forward also because it's kind of fun. Um, why do we need to protect badgers? I mean, a lot of people may look at them and see, you know, just a, an animal that digs in the ground and doesn't really serve any great purpose. So why is it important that an animal like that is protected? It's important, and I would say it's important not only for badgers, but even for phantom orchids, because what endangered species are telling us is that they live in an ecosystem that is so degraded that it can no longer support that species. And so the species has become endangered. And healthy ecosystems not only support uh, badgers and grizzly bears and salmon, but they also provide humans with ecosystem services. And, and ecosystem services is, is clean air, fresh water. It's the carbon sequestration, which helps give us a healthy and stable climate. It's bee pollination. And those things not only are intrinsically valuable, but they also are worth billions and billions of dollars to our economy. And we actually worked with um, a professor, Duncan Mowler, at the SFU, which is Simon Fraser University in British Columbia, and asked him to look at the value of spotted owl habitat standing versus, versus being logged. When he looked at that, the value of that habitat, and again through a market lens, uh, and, he, and he looked at the carbon sequestration value, he looked at the value of habitat to other species at risk to salmon species, he found that there was more market value in having that spotted owl habitat, those old growth forests standing, than there was having that forest being logged. And so I, it makes me feel uncomfortable to always look at the value of, of, of species and species at risk through an economic lens um, because they do have an intrinsic value. But that's also something that sometimes speaks to people who would say, well, why do we care about um, badgers or, or speak to government officials? And then we'd say, we care because those ecosystems, they're like our canary in the coal mine. They're telling us something that the ecosystems are so degraded that they can no longer support the species 
that's lived there for millennia. And that means that there's degraded ecosystem services, which have serious implications for the health of people. To learn more about Wilderness Committee, visit wildernesscommittee.org. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks to our guests, as well as Brad Gates of AAA Gates Wildlife Control for his support. Until next time, this is Kate Rizzuto from Michael Howie, reminding you to stay informed and stay strong. <laughs>